1: Why aren't the playoff races settled yet? Which matchups are most intriguing? Are the Bucks for real? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Today, as always, I'm joined by Jared Weiss of The Athletic, senior NBA writer, or are you, are you feel senior these days? I'm definitely not a senior NBA writer at The Athletic,
0: but I do, the way my back is feeling right now, I would definitely qualify for senior in many other regards.
1: Yes, I mean, listen, my knee pops whenever I stand up and it's like incredibly painful. So I am beyond where you might be, I think. But nonetheless, um, pleasure to have you here as always. And we need to talk a lot about the NBA playoffs and how it's shaping up on a Sunday night because I think we, we have a little bit of clarity in certain spots, and let's, let's help everybody listening sort of get all organized and figure it out as you, as you brush your beard with a, a horse. Is that, is that for a horse, that
0: brush you have? This, it's for a beard. It's a Kent brush, but I think it might be a
1: horsehair brush if that's what you're thinking of. Oh, okay. I don't know. Anyhow, I groomed horses <laughs> when I was a kid. All right. Um, so we should start. Uh, which conference do you want to start with? Let's start with
0: the East just because there's so much more at stake right now with all those teams uh, on the bubble. I like how it's split. You know, you have the West where there's four teams jockeying for position, but they're all in the playoffs either way, or I guess really three teams. But then in the East, I mean, there's two teams here who are out. Charlotte and Miami, as of Sunday, at the end of Sunday evening, are out. Orlando, I just watched them clinch in Boston. I uh, just got back from that where Steve Clifford's suit was literally dripping after uh, he brought them their first playoff berth in seven years, I think. And then Detroit, even though they lost tonight, are still a game up on Charlotte and Miami. Things are really tricky because if they drop another one here, they uh, the Charlotte Hornets hold the tiebreaker over the Detroit Pistons. So, even though Charlotte's been kind of sitting here outside looking in, they could at the very last second leapfrog Detroit if they can't get it together.
1: Aha! All right, so it's a little bit complicated. First of all, big congrats to the Brooklyn Nets for making the playoffs as well. Oh yeah, uh, they're in there now. The Magic should also get a congratulations for winning the their division. I have to say, I have to look it up because you kind of forget which teams are in which divisions. But yeah, they're
0: in the Southeast. Thank yes. God they got rid of that top four rule because Orlando is currently seven games behind boston who was in fourth place so that'd be really ridiculous if that top four rule was still in place
1: yeah so just remember if you had won a division championship you get to leapfrog you can't be any lower than fourth i believe was the rule right yes and yeah so that would have been crazy so because the southeast is a real uh, problematic division this year so they made it they're in um as a seventh well right now they're seventh now orlando um there is some jockeying that could be also moved in the with the teams that have made it right. I believe the Nets and the Magic are, are tied right now, and they could move. They could switch places, and they have one game remaining for those teams. All right. Well, then we should talk a little bit about it, probably like who they have playing, but let's let's actually get into who what's the, the the remaining game for the other teams. So, if we go from the bottom up, the Miami Heat, who are tied right now with the Charlotte Hornets, you know, a game out of the eighth spot, the Heat have uh, Philly at home, and then they're at Brooklyn. Now the the ramifications for Philly, I don't think uh, they're probably not going to play any of their players, right? I would assume so. So uh, they, they might have an easy game against the scrubs from Philly. Then they're going to be at uh away at Brooklyn. Now, Brooklyn is also, they've clinched, uh, but they are jockeying for a spot. They might actually want to win that game. I think they might.
0: Well, I think Brooklyn will prioritize health, obviously, I mean, these teams, even when seeding is important, they tend to always just let it go and bench those guys for that last game mm-hmm. because there's just – there's it, as, as much as I'd probably rather face Toronto than Philadelphia, although Brooklyn probably matches up well with Philadelphia to a degree, but um, w- w- regardless of how they feel, who they want to match up with, if any of those guys gets hurt in that last game, that matters so much more. And you know what? I just saw that happen with Boston, where Marcus Smart just suffered a pretty, what looked like a pretty serious oblique bruise was the final diagnosis. And then Jason Tatum had a shin contusion that knocked him out of the game. So who knows how those guys are going to be? Where you know, does it, just, it goes to show? Okay.
1: Where does one get an oblique? You mean the oblique, like the muscle, the oblique muscle? Yeah,
0: like like on the side. Like he crashed into. I think it was Nick Vucevic, and Vucevic, who's probably what six inches taller than him his like his like pelvic bone or hip bone just like smashed into smarts you know like side above in the you know muscle area above the hip which is the oblique and so he has a pretty deep contusion there and who knows about how much that's going to affect him
1: yeah well he definitely seems to be the linchpin here uh for that celtics team and they can't catch a break at this point is that it was not a good game for them today
0: Today was kind of disappointing for them. I mean, their saving grace was that Kyrie Irving was huge in the fourth quarter and almost brought them back. But if you're going to play your guys and risk them getting hurt, you better goddamn win that game. And they didn't. And to Brooklyn's credit, at least Brooklyn came through and executed and actually held on, which was important because Orlando won. So they maintained that higher C position there.
1: Right. Um, yeah, so it, it, kind of a crazy way this is playing out. Now let's okay. We looked at the Miami Heat, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, they are playing at Cleveland, and that should should be an easier game for them because Cleveland doesn't really have the horses. And then they're going to play Orlando at home, um, and that also might not be. I, I don't. Orlando is not going to probably. You know, they're going to do load management as well. So. They're going to have a couple of easy games. So if I were Charlotte, I, I might feel okay about this because the Detroit Pistons, although, again, they also play Memphis at home and at the Knicks, uh, two teams that really have no incentive to win. So this is a real conundrum here because nobody, you know, they're all sort of going to be the Miami, Charlotte, and Detroit are all going to be playing teams that it, it, for, it, it appears are not going to be giving them their best.
0: Yeah, and I think Orlando in that last game probably doesn't really have that much to right. play for at that point. So, yeah, yeah, Charlotte, Charlotte's in a shockingly good position for a team that looked like they were out of it a couple games ago. I mean, if you had your pick between Detroit, Charlotte, and Miami of who you would want to watch in a matchup against Milwaukee, who would you go with?
1: Oh, uh, well, I mean, Milwaukee is playing so well that I, I almost don't think it matters, per se, like who they're going to end up facing as far as, like, you know, but if we want to see, like, some somewhat of an entertaining first round that has some intrigue that maybe goes five games, um, right? Like, I don't think any of these teams are going to take more in the game off of Milwaukee, do you?
0: I think Detroit could take one and a half games off of them if everything went well and Blake Griffin is not hurt after – diving on the floor for some reason tonight um, but just because Blake singular remarkable capability because Detroit could have a hot shooting night Drummond could be a major problem for Milwaukee just crashing down the middle um, so I, I can see Detroit having the capability of blowing things up on them but interesting Miami especially with their now they're dealing with injuries again at the end of the year and then Charlotte I mean, Charlotte, they tend to run a nice system around Kemba, and that's, like, why they exist on the playoff bubble. But besides Kemba being able to drop 40 points, they don't really give you much elsewhere.
1: Right. Uh, yeah, and that's, by the way, it would be a nice little, uh, you know, story for Blake Griffin to sort of reestablish himself in a different conference in the playoffs and sort of remind everybody how good he is. But, yeah, he did play 34 minutes today, did not shoot well uh, at all. Ha- having come back and he had 45 a couple nights before that, so, um, yeah, I mean, if, you know, if they get the Blake Griffin, who's, you know, nailing 40 points and getting eight, eight assists and 12 boards and a block or two, I mean, yeah, that, that could be, that could move the, the, uh, the, uh, the, needle a little bit. But again, yeah, I, 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 I may, maybe they get to the two games uh, off of the Milwaukee Bucks. So I don't know if that matters, but yeah, I could see how they might be the most interesting matchup, I suppose, for the Bucks. They just, the Bucks have, you know, they're just, they're just too good and, and, uh, have too many weapons at this point, um especially with your friend of mine, Eric Bledsoe, um, who was playing well. I will give him credit yeah. for that. So um, so
0: looking at, looking yeah. up and down the East right now, I mean, I think we agree that Boston-Indiana is the closest matchup, but what do you think from aesthetically pleasing point of view would be is the matchup you're looking forward to the most with the way that the conference is currently laid out?
1: You mean from which first-round uh, matchup is going to be the best? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, what do we think? I mean, is, are the Celtics and the Pacers probably? They're like they're destined to play each other. Yeah, it's like either way uh, if they flip, they flip, but they're still going to play each other depending on where the home court advantage is. Well, bo- Boston clinch
0: home court advantage with. Oh, the they Pacers did? losing, yeah. Okay, So Sorry. that's already settled.
1: All right, great. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's going to – you know, it shouldn't have been a, a great series considering all the, the, everything that happened, like, with the Pacers and with how the Celtics were supposed to have been. But yet the Pacers continue to win and play pretty well without Oladipo. And they're – but, you know, so that'll probably be the best series. And that could – you know – We'll have to see what Marcus Smart's deal is if he can if he's healthy or not. But that could go six seven games before the Celtics might win that one. Don't you think?
0: I'd be surprised if it went less than six. You yeah. know, Indiana Indiana is just like an enigma to me. Where I, I just I'm thinking on paper, who's the person that you can't contain offensively? And <laughs> it's yeah, it's just been he's just been so incredible shooting the ball, and he's such a tough guy. It's funny because I think it was two years ago. I watched him in the playoffs in the second round with Washington and he was a deadly spot up shooter half the time, but like that was literally the only thing he can do. And he's evolved a lot defensively. He's actually become a very impactful defender and him and Thad Young were really good this year. Thad Young, hey, he was uh, it's amazing he's turned into like a borderline all defense defender. Maybe he does get it this year. Right. But um, you know, Bogdanovich well, has become like a much more well-rounded and really feared player and he he lights up the celtics every time they face him but just that i I don't know how he pulls it off because he he seems stationary so much of the time there's just no there's no dribble penetrator on that team besides tyreek evans that is really intimidating i mean darren collison's a very quick guy but he's not you know he can't really shoot off the dribble deep most of the time but You know, I Corey just don't Joseph, figure out how to guard them. they
1: but they're, yeah. they're just solid. They play like a team. They're tough. they They have a lot of veteran uh, leadership. So they're just. It's just a good team. They're not going to make a ton of mistakes in theory. They went through last year's playoffs and got some really good experience. I thought, uh, and gave them a taste. Even without Oladipo, it really sucks they don't have him because man, if they had him, then then they, they would. They're going to be. They would have spoiled someone's season big time. Um, I think. And then next year, if they keep this, you know, most of the team together, they can. So uh, it, it's, yeah, it's fascinating what what they've done now. I, I don't know. Uh, Miles Turner is also the guy who's just been playing fantastic defensively as well. And uh, it can anchor that defense uh, near the rim. So I, I think that they're going to be, this should be the best uh, series we get in the East for sure. Uh, other than that, you know, I guess if we look at the Raptors, we just don't know who they're going to play yet. Uh, and the same, at the top, because the bottom is screwy, the top is screwy. So, uh, but I don't know, I'm not sure that matters. I think we got, obviously, the Bucks and the Raptors and the Sixers, get, a, they're going to get through to the second round easy uh, and then want we'll to look forward to what happens there.
0: All right, should we go over to the West now?
1: Yes, I think we, uh, we should. We have some time here because um, we, doubt we have a little bit of a log jam, 6th 7th, and 8th uh that's it after that we don't have to worry about anybody outside the sacramento kings in ninth and they're just way behind they're already eliminated so um we have some the games are in so we're kind of getting a little bit more clarity clippers and the spurs are tied uh, in the uh, in the seventh day spot at nine and a half games back it, it appears to me the spurs have the tie break on that one yes yes so uh um, so yeah yeah, so they have the tiebreak, so that they would they would leap over the Clippers and be the seventh spot, and they and they probably want that spot because I don't think anyone wants to play the Warriors in the first round. The Nuggets, you know, if they're healthy, are also kind of scary, but I feel like uh, you know, obviously, if you're going to choose, you take them. But again, do, have they proven it yet in the playoffs? No, and we have to find out if they can do it that way uh, and be as dominating as they were or as good as they were in the regular season.
0: Well, you know, it's funny the way that the West is currently lined up. I think we have every matchup that we would hope for. You know, Denver versus San Antonio would be really interesting, where you have uh, you have a you know someone who I think can go toe to toe with Pop and be creative, but also play inside out and play high low stuff like that. Uh, and so those two teams would probably match up really well against each other. And then Houston OKC, obviously, that's an incredibly exciting matchup when you have Russ and Harden going at it. Portland Utah for like the two kind of like Cool hipster teams in the NBA who uh yeah you, know, you know they've I feel like they've those teams have matched up over the years. It's always been interesting. And then Golden State Clippers, it's like you know the Clippers have a ton of stuff that they can throw at Golden State that could be really tough for Golden State. And maybe you get a couple, you can extend that series past to what most people expected to be a sweep. So right now the playoffs line up perfectly in the West.
1: Yeah, well if we look at it this way, just to see how this shakes out, the end the bottom of the bracket here. Uh, OKC has two games left, and they're the ones who are in the sixth spot right now, half a game up on the seventh and eighth. Uh, they play Houston, and they play at Milwaukee. Now, the at Milwaukee game is going to be uh, – they're not going to play anybody in that game, so that's a gimme. And Houston probably will be the same. They're, they're, I mean, you know, I guess they have a shot, right, at getting at catching Denver, right?
0: Well, Denver has the game in hand control, but they're tied in the win column, so – they 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 could they could end up in the two seed after all this. Yeah. Which would be pretty insane. Yeah. Because uh, be. they cause Houston has the tiebreaker. So. Oh, okay. Great. Well, yeah. so
1: okay, we'll have to see. Uh we'll have to wait and see. I I was so excited about doing this tonight thinking, oh, we really have a clear picture, and it's kind of crazy we don't. But um either way, uh so that game could be that game will could be important for Houston playing OKC. So that could be that's not a gimme. Uh, the Spurs only have one game left and they're playing Dallas at home and the Clippers play Utah who just lost to the Lakers uh, and Utah uh, was playing most of their guys. So um, that's an embarrassing loss. Uh, JaVale McGee was flexing. I just uh, posted a gif of that. You can get on Jiffy if you could type in "Bball ball <laughs> breakdown on your search thing um, along with other really great ones I've made. So, uh, so the Clippers play Utah at home. The Spurs play Dallas at home. Uh, and again I, I that doesn't really make it that much clear does utah have any uh, any incentive to win i don't think so at this point right
0: not really they're two games like they have a two game cushion each way so yeah uh, for they're them it does if they kept winning they would still have the same matchup it's just home court advantage at this point so if they can get it that's great but it doesn't
1: it's not going to make a huge difference. Yeah, so I would I would, I'm, I feel safe saying that they're going to, they're locked in, and so they probably especially you know as the last game there I, I don't think they're going to the Clippers could probably win that one. The Spurs should win theirs, so it's up to OKC okay, with their last two games, and they they have Milwaukee. That's probably a gimme anyway. So it's just the Houston game. So that's the real one that's going to probably help decide everyone's fate, I guess, in theory when they uh, when Houston comes to town to Oklahoma City, which uh, it will be a good game. That's the next game coming up for them, I think. On I want to say tuesday
0: and it'll be a series preview hopefully at least yeah Uh, and i assume houston's going for that one because well i guess it depends on houston can basically if denver were to lose for instance Mm -hmm. and then they're and then houston is in the two slot there they can kind of decide whether they want to kind of tank that game so they can get the thunder in the first round or if they want to hold on to that spot and get san antonio i would assume they would prefer san antonio over oklahoma I mean, San Antonio's been phenomenal the second half of the season. They've been one of the hottest teams in the league for the last two months. But OKC has two guys that can that they probably aren't really equipped to guard.
1: Oh yeah, you beat point. me to that punch. Nobody wants to play the Thunder in a playoff series, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Now, one thing that doesn't scare you is is Russell Westbrook. I I, I might have to just embrace that. I I. I well, we all know I don't like his game, and and the problem I have with like being called a hater is that like it's just because I'm hating him just because uh, just to do it or whatever without any kind of reasoning. But I watched a little bit of the game today, and it's just really frustrating to watch him. But you know what? Uh, it, it's effective enough where they you know they 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 won, they've won 47 games, they can get to 49, uh, and they're going to be that scary team that nobody wants to play. But I don't think that the upper teams are that concerned with him. Versus, like, let's just say, like a Harden, another guy who's getting a lot of triple doubles and 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 dominates the ball in, in a different way. Uh, I don't, I just don't think that they that he inspires that kind of fear to the good teams. They know that he'll he'll throw the ball away, he'll take some bad shots, he'll miss shots at the rim. You know, he, they that's sort of a given, and that sort of doesn't strike as much fear in a lot of those better teams. So, but uh, it still is a concern. It still is overwhelming force. They have a lot of athletes that they can come at you with. So. Um, that's going to be interesting thing to see how that, how that plays out and who, how they're going to match up. But man, it would be poetic to get a, uh, to get a Houston OKC series.
0: And, you know, my feeling on Russell Lee has evolved to, I embrace the chaos because I think he's been more committed to being a facilitator this yes. year. And I mean, that's, that's not breaking news. A lot of people have talked about this. A lot of people who have really great, um, great uh, in-depth analysis of it, but I just noticed that beyond just beyond the um, incredible highlight real passes like that 360 no scope pass that he threw, which was yeah. one of the best passes I've ever seen in my life. Um, it feels I feel like there's you can see more connective tissue between the players on the on the court, because when Russ goes crazy. People still seem to have their hands up waiting for the pass. There seems to be more expectation that, like, when he does his Tasmanian Devil drive to the hoop, that he actually is looking for the kickout option, that he might actually be trying to – that you might need to roll with him because he is going to do the drop-down pass. And obviously he's been doing that. He's been averaging a triple-double for three years now, which is mind-blowing to say, even if I'm not a big fan of triple-doubles, I think it's an arbitrary um, thing that we've beholden ourselves to being uh, having the wool pulled over our eyes, so to speak. But so he – I think he's made the team more engaged with the way he's passing this year, and I think they're better than they were last year. Even though record-wise, are they better than they were last year? I guess I guess they must
1: be right. But, I don't I don't think so. It's close. We'll check in a second. But let me yeah. let me actually just uh, piggyback onto that because the, the the passing that I see that is different this year. and I think I'm going to do a video before the playoffs start if I can sneak it in. Uh, the transformation of Russell Westbrook. in fact, the only here's the thing: Oklahoma City has been playing really shitty. Uh, for a while, uh, up until tonight, I believe they had lost 12 of 18. They might have now lost uh, 12 of 19. Uh, I think I had to add it up again because I was starting to do the video. But as far as Russ goes, he he just seems to be willing to to give the ball up a little bit earlier. And like just sort of and, and get an off like almost a flow going in an offense, whereas before he'd bring it over and <laughs> if he doesn't like have an assist pass right away, he's going to pound it, pound it, and do whatever. So I do feel like I've seen that, and perhaps that like has been leaking into other guys like Ferguson. I should check Ferguson's numbers more recently, but I feel like Ferguson was sort of feeding off of that and getting a lot of those catch and shoot threes from him. So th- there was some benefits to that, and just but it was almost like. I'm going to spend five minutes just being a little bit like disengaged and just sort of pass the ball right away. And so that was like, the balance is going to be tough for him to ever, to ever find, I think. It's not easy to do uh, when you're so aggressive like he is. But there's definitely, that's what I've noticed, is that he just seems to be willing to give it up earlier. Uh, and there were times, certainly in that stretch, where he simply won't shoot it. His shooting percentage was was really bad, and he was really having his struggles from outside. And you could see him just, yeah, I'm not going to do. That. I got to give give it up. So it's it's a conundrum with him, and uh, it's it's going to be feast or famine. Could be a lot of famine.
0: Could be. I, they're not. I don't. Think, I don't think they're going to win that series. Um, last year they were 48 and 34. This year. If they go 1-1, they'll go finish at 40 and 34, and it'll be in the exact same place they were last year. But right. this year's team feels a lot better. And frankly, they were playing at like a f- almost 55-win pace for so much of the year before they hit a real rut after the All-Star break. But that's something I think they established clearly what their character is as a team, and they can get back to that in the right matchup. In the playoffs, I mean, there, there's a lot of variables that can play yeah. back into their favor and make those a much more even matchup.
1: Right. You know, what sucks with what could have been a really good 4-5 is that the Blazers lost Nurkic with that gruesome injury, and yeah. Cantor is just not going to do it. Now, you know, maybe they can do it on scoring and sort of not worry about, you know, any kind of the defensive stuff with him in there, but... Um, that that that's really uh, a blow and it's too bad because it was uh, they, they were you know portland's excellent they're just an excellent team and they've, they've been excellent for several years now they might be have a ceiling uh, that they can't overcome but uh it's just a kind of a tough team they run great offensive sets with terry stotts and um and they'll be well prepared but um i, I again i'm not even sold in the jazz so i still see like the blazers i mean they're gonna if they even if they have, they're gonna have the higher seat anyway it looks like so it won't matter uh, on that end they will be favored but I, I just don't know. I think the Jazz might need to fundamentally do something to their team to kind of make another step. Well, just
0: well, let's try to stick with uh, now and worry about the offseason later. Uh, one for, for one, you hope that CJ McCollum is fully healthy, good to go for the series. Uh, for Portland, I don't know how bad. Like, I feel like this matchup works better for Enos Kanter than if they were going against a spread team like San Antonio, for instance, or like a high-low team like that, because Utah, like for Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert yeah. is mostly a, a beat. he's he's one of the best rolling guys in the league, and that he can he can be creative with the way he rolls. But you know, he's finishing in a relatively small zone. That's where he's going to be shooting from. So they can Portland can adjust their defense to accommodate for Cantor's generally bad defensive awareness and uh, and cement feet where he's just going to be kind of intercepting Gobert roles. Gobert, I mean, he could try to be there to intercept Gobert's role, and Gobert's still going to finish over him or dunk over him. So it's definitely going to be a major weak point for them. But if there was any team that they were going to have this happen with, I mean, Utah or OKC would be those two teams that they would want it to happen with just because those teams' bigs rely on basically getting below the dotted circle.
1: Right. Now, it's a really good point. You're right, because in theory, you know, he doesn't have to worry about posting up or, or uh, Gobert posting up. And uh, I don't want to get in trouble with jazz fans about talking about Gobert's hands. Uh, but he's awkward. <laughs> he's awkward. And, you know, yeah. elbows and hands get move around in weird ways and the ball bounces off them sometimes. But, um, it'll, it's intriguing. And it, I think without question, um, I mean, I don't know. I guess the Thunder, whoever, play the, whoever plays the Thunder is going to be a, a should should be a good series. Um, but, yeah, it does feel like the Blazers and Jazz could be that next really good series. In fact, I don't know. They all could be really good. I don't know if the Warriors, Clippers, if that's what's going to play out. Um, you know, the Clippers might them, take a game, maybe. Um, but I just don't see much beyond that. But, yeah, I think all the other series can be really good. It's certainly, I would hope so because I like more games to be able to break down. All right. So
0: to wrap it up here, is there anything that really sticks out as like a you know, unearthed gem that we will probably have to go more in depth when we do our playoff preview podcast later this
1: week? You know, um, nothing's jumping out at me. I mean, I don't know. It seems pretty even across in the West and then the East. I think we got to wait until how this plays out. There's too many questions and I, my brain is it's hurts. It's too late on a Sunday to, to try and <laughs> figure all this out.
0: All right, then I'll just uh, quickly, I have to take care of a couple Celtics fans tweeting at me that wanted me to answer a couple things. Draft pick status, uh, the Grizzlies, after the uh, loss that they had tonight to the Pelicans, I believe, uh, they, or was it to Dallas? It was, yeah, to Dallas. So they are now at the seventh spot and are tied with Dallas in the standings, and Tankathon has them ranked as a seven instead of the eighth spot in the lottery. The Grizzlies pick to the Celtics is top eight protected the Celtics very badly do not want it to convey because its potential value increases significantly over the next couple years where it becomes top six protected and then unprotected in 2021 that team is most likely going to trade Mike Conley this offseason to try to start the rebuild and then is going to bottom out for the next couple of years so they're hoping for either the seventh pick in a much better draft next year or a top five pick in the 2021 draft uh, which of course is all just a trade to new orleans for anthony davis anyway so that's what they're really hoping to do with it but so uh that's the latest update there and they let's see new orleans has uh, this tie with them in the lost column but has played one more game and has one more win so Memphis, basically, if they keep losing, there's a very good chance they're going to they're going to have to keep their pick this year, which is what they don't want to do. And they've been trying to win to avoid that. And then um, King's pick is going to be probably the highest lottery pick, like the 14th pick. Clippers in the playoffs. So uh, clinch already. So that pick will convey and is not going to turn into two second round picks. So, yeah, the Celtics uh, are going to have three, if not four draft picks that they're probably not going to probably keep one of them, I guess at the very least. So we'll see what happens there. Um, So, yeah, I think I've now satisfied all of the draft pick requests that I've been requested for.
1: All right, I have to call the police and report a hijacking. But okay, thank you for uh, getting that out there for all the Celtics fans. Um, and stay tuned. Yeah, later this week we will do a playoff preview once we get everything locked in and loaded. And I promise we'll have plenty of stats and insights to go from there. Um, and you will really enjoy that program as well. Don't miss my video I dropped on Tom Izzo. I actually went through the footage and explained why he, uh, in fact, didn't. Uh, wasn't justified in going after... Um, uh, Aaron Henry I don't know if you saw Jared but uh, it was pretty compelling stuff where I went play by play to, uh, to explain why the evidence that Tom Izzo thought he had seen or whatever to go detonate on him didn't exist so uh, check that out and check out everything else we're gonna I'm gonna be going up on, uh, on, the, on the videos uh, this week and then we'll be doing at least one video a day during the playoffs at least maybe two so don't miss that Jared thanks for joining us uh, as always this week and can I, can I plug my shit oh okay go ahead
0: I was kidding. Um, I had last week on the Athletics NBA front page, we had a story on the referees. Who doesn't love talking about the referees? Yeah. So as, before the season, I you know, sat down with Monty McCutcheon, who's the head of officiating, and talked about all the reforms that they were putting into the place with freedom of movement rules, the, a rule change so that the offensive rebounds – would reset to a 14-second shot clock instead of a 24-second shot clock, which made a pretty marginal impact and maybe added a possession here or there per game, but didn't didn't really drastically change the way the game was played. But um, the freedom of movement, points of education, as they call them, they're not technically rule changes, made a pretty remarkable impact and led to the biggest spike in pace and points per game that we've pretty much ever had. So that was really fascinating. So I wrote a feature examining... How players adjusted over the course of the year how the referees handled these rule changes and also some of the transparency efforts and most importantly uh how wh- what goes into determining which playoff officials are going to be used so that's definitely something you want to check out if you don't care about this regular season only care about the playoffs there is some really interesting insight from the guy who chooses which refs are going to be officiating which games in the playoffs how he goes through that process
1: Awesome stuff. Looking really forward to getting balls on that. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Jared? I'm going into packing mode because i
0: got to go to Dallas for a